0: All right, look at verse 21 of Matthew chapter 26. It says, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Now, right there, that's pretty strong words right there. To tell somebody, you know, better if he's never been born. That's pretty harsh right there. And this right here, we, what we read is a story of the betrayal of Jesus Christ. And this, be, um, I want to preach a message about betrayal tonight and what to do. With those who betray you, what what should we do as a church if somebody betrays us as a church? How should we handle it if somebody, as an individual or as an individual, we are betrayed by somebody? What do you do in that situation? Because betrayal is a big deal, and I, I'm preaching this because we had a situation a while back here where there was a betrayal that took place. And, honestly, it really kind of blew my mind the way it went down and what happened. And I've thought a lot about this. I've studied a lot about it. And I've realized that you know, this is a very, it is a very serious thing to betray someone. And we see in the story when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to his inner circle. And he's like, one of you are going to betray me. And it says they were exceeding sorrowful. This is what? One of us would betray Jesus? This is serious. This is, this is a big deal here. And, you know, everybody began to question, you know, is it I? And you're thinking we had betrayal here. Some of you might be thinking, is it I? If you're thinking, is it I? It's probably not you, all right? no, there isn't anybody here. Because let me tell you something. Betrayal is a serious thing that will get you thrown out of a church. I mean, big time. And I'm going to show you how I think we ought to deal with these things. But to betray, the definition is to deliver in the hands of an enemy by treachery or fraud in violation of trust. Now, that's the thing you really need to get right there. Okay, when you betray somebody, it doesn't just mean you worked against them. It doesn't mean that you just had a disagreement. No, this is when you went and you plotted against somebody who was trusting you. You had been put in trust with something and Judas was a man who was trusted. He was one of Jesus' twelve disciples. Jesus was the one, they trusted him with the money. He held the bag. And here we have this guy in Jesus' inner circle, who they trusted him with their money, and this man he uses his position as a disciple of Jesus Christ, so he could go and get thirty pieces of silver. And then look at how he betrays Christ. Look at look jump down to verse forty-five. Says, Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto him, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold the hours at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, He is at hand that doth betray Me. And while He yet spake, Lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came with Him, a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now He that betrayed Him gave them a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is He, hold him fast." And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Notice what Jesus calls him. He calls him a friend. Why? Because Judas was a friend. Wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. So Judas, he's somebody that's close enough to Jesus that it's normal for him to just walk up and approach Jesus and embrace Him. And to lay a kiss on his cheek, that was how close they were. And it says in Luke chapter 21, or not uh, not Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 22, verse 47, it says, And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Okay, this the way Judas betrayed Jesus Was about as low down of a way that you can do it. Okay? He's doing it with a kiss. He's doing it with a sign of affection. He's doing it, I mean, show, hey, you know, I'm one of his disciples. I'm close to him. I'm somebody that I can approach him. I can get to him. I can hug him. I can give him a kiss. And when I do that, the one that I give a kiss to, that's the one I want you to go after. Something that, you know, because listen, when it comes to certain things, we There's a lot of trust we give people, okay? You know, when somebody... You don't let somebody that you don't trust just come up and hug you, okay? I mean, what would we do if you're in Walmart or something and some just perfect stranger comes up and tries to hug you or give you a kiss, all right? They're going down, all right? You know, uh, whoa, who are you? You know, I'm not going to let you lay your hands on me. I don't know who you are. The fact that Jesus allows Judas to come and do this shows that Jesus trusts Judas, he has given him this trust, and yet Judas betrays him with a kiss. That was that was dirty. That was low down. And in the Bible, I I, I found forty one verses where it talked about betrayal. Thirty seven of those verses are references to. Judas betraying Jesus. Most of the time in the Bible, when you see betrayal, it's almost always talking about Judas betraying Jesus. And I think that's clearly the greatest example of a betrayal in the Bible. And we'll see a lot of examples of that. But there are four other times. Three of those times are all from the Olivet Discourse in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it talks about Matthew twenty four ten and many shall be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. This is talking about the tribulation. Betrayal is going to be a big thing. Mark 13, 12. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death. Okay, why does it mention that? Because you trust your brother, don't you? A brother is someone that you trust. A brother is someone that you think that you can count on. And when a brother would turn on you and turn you over to the authorities, it says children shall rise up against the parents and shall cause them to be put to death. Luke twenty one sixteen. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. See, betrayal can only happen when you're close to someone. Betrayal can only happen when it's with somebody that you have given trust to. Somebody that you have been a friend to. Someone that you have loved. That's the only way... That you can be that you can betray somebody. And betrayal is a very, very serious offense. And why is that? Why is betrayal such a big deal? It, well, turn over to 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 12. Alright. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. We're going to go back to this passage later and look a little deeper into it. But I, I want to I want you to notice something here. Because it says betrayal is not in the Bible. This is the one other time we see the word in the Bible. We see examples of betrayal in the Bible, but you, you don't see the word. But look what it says in 1 Chronicle, uh, Chronicles chapter 12, and verse 16. It says, "...and there came uh, of the children of Benjamin and Judah to the hold unto David. And David went out to meet them, and answered and said unto them, If ye be come peaceably unto me to help me, mine heart shall be knit unto you. But if ye come to betray me to mine enemies, seeing there is no wrong in mine hands, the God of our fathers looked thereupon and rebuked it. Then the Spirit came upon Amasei, who was chief of the captains, and he said, Thine are we, David, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse, peace, peace be unto thee, and peace be to thine helpers, for thy God helpeth thee. Then David received them and made them captains of the band. So in this story, we've got David, who he's on the run from Saul. He's in a very vulnerable position. He's somewhere where he needs help. And here come some people along to saying, hey, we want to help you, David. We're here for you. But David does not know these men. David, but David yet needs them. Hey, I could use these men's help. I need these guys, but David doesn't know them. And if David trusts these men and they're bad, he's left himself wide open. Okay? And so, but if he doesn't trust them. He's missing out on some help he could use. So David here, he's in a situation like, you know what, what do I do? I'm vulnerable. I need these men. Lord, if these are men are about to betray me, Lord, rebuke it. In other words, let it be seen. Show it. And then the Spirit comes upon him. May say I. And he says, hey, he says, peace, peace. These guys are on our side. We can count on these guys. And so David ended up receiving them. Thankfully, God revealed it to David that he could count on these men that they weren't there to betray him. But David realized that, hey, I'm in, a, I'm in a tough spot right here. And you know what? Betrayal is a serious offense because often in life, we find ourselves in a vulnerable position. We see throughout the Bible examples of nations and people that God was angry at because they took advantage of people. They took advantage of situations. I, I think it was the Edomites who hurt Israel when they were weak, when they were beat down, they showed no mercy, they were cruel, and God cursed them forever because of that. God hates that kind of thing. And let me tell you something in, when it comes to church, when it comes to the house of God, you need to understand that one of the things that we just we have to do, there's really no way around this, is we are very vulnerable here. okay you know one thing you know what we don't do in this church when people come here, we don't do background checks on you. We don't go and make you fill out a long form, giving us all this information and social security number, and and you know, and then give it references so we can go calling up all these people to find out, hey, you know, what do we got here? You know, we you know, we don't go, you know, when people come to our church, we don't ask them, hey, are you an infiltrator? You know, are you some sodomite just trying to mess people? We, we don't do that, and you know what? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't think we should do that. But here's here's the thing. We do we we kind of we're opening ourselves up, aren't we? Remember the story in the Bible where Hezekiah allowed these men to come through and they showed them all the treasures, and it turns out these were bad guys. And they never forgot about all those treasures Hezekiah showed, and years later they came back and they took those things. Well, you know what? How do we know when people visit this church, they're not here just casing the joint because they're planning on robbing the place? You know, we don't know. You know, how do we know it's not some guy coming here just hoping to take advantage of the women? Or so how do we know somebody's not coming here just, you know, trying to, you know, just wanting to infiltrate, wanting to spread false doctrine? We don't know. And, but what do we do? What do we do? We put ourselves out there. We make ourselves vulnerable. We put ourselves in a position where it's very possible that we could get hurt and we do that because, you know, we don't want to be scaring people off with background checks and things. And you know what? Maybe sometimes, sometimes maybe people have stuff in their past they've gotten right with God. They're ashamed of those things. We don't want to be bringing up those things and throwing them in your face. We don't. I don't want to do that, okay? I don't want to know about everything you did in your past. You know, I determine not to know anything among you. Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But at the same time, at the same time, I don't want our church to get hurt either. So, you know, my prayer is, hey, And when we let people in here, you know, Lord, if this is a bad guy, if this is somebody that would betray us, somebody that would try to hurt us, Lord, rebuke it, Lord, reveal it. Let us know who these are. And we've, we've got to understand, you know, freedom in many ways makes us vulnerable, doesn't it? I'm glad we have the Second Amendment. I'm glad people have the right to keep and bear arms. But you know what? It's physically possible for any of you to just shoot me. I am I'm just trusting that you're gonna keep the law. You know? We're all for concealing carry here. We don't we don't have a no you know gun sign. We don't want to advertise to the criminals that we're a bunch of sitting ducks. We encourage y'all to do that, but y'all realize while we have that rule in our church that you're allowed to carry here, that we're trusting you. And for you to betray that trust would be dirty. I mean really dirty. I mean so that would be unforgivable dirty for you to just come in here and misuse that and hurt us. You know, it's out on the, out on the road. We just, there's this kind of an automatic trust we give people. People are out there on the roads. You're driving 55 miles hour down the highway one way. They're going the other way. All they've got to do is that, that much effort and they could kill us. But we're just assuming they're not going to do that. We assume people are going to do the right thing. And you know, that's the kind of world I want to live in. I don't want to live in a world where we got to all ride on these little you know subway trains so nobody can ram each other with cars. You know, I don't want to live in a world where we can't have guns and knives and things like that. I don't want to I don't want to live in that world. But and so in order for us to live in a world like that where we have freedom there is a certain amount of trust that we just automatically give people. And when people betray that trust, they should be punished severely. For example, if you take a gun and you go murder somebody, you should be punished severely. You should be put to death. You were given the right to keep and bear arms. Our Constitution guaranteed you that freedom assuming you were going to do the right thing and you went and you abused that and you hurt someone. You know what? You betrayed your country. You betrayed those people. You should be put down like a dog if that's what you do. Because freedom in many ways makes us vulnerable and I'm okay I want it to be that way I want it to be that way I think it's better that way but somebody who would take advantage of our freedom is a wicked lowdown scumbag and we I want us to have freedom in this church I don't want us to do background checks and you know I don't want to have to hire private eyes spying on you all you know and making sure you know I don't want to you know go hire some hacker to get in all your computers and make sure y'all aren't doing anything you know working I, I don't want to live in that world all right? I don't, want to, I don't want to live like that. And we don't do that, And so, you know, but that means we're going to be vulnerable. We are a vulnerable church right here. And for people, for somebody to come in this church and to take advantage of that, they are a scumbag. And betrayers, they do. They take advantage of the good nature of those that they betray. You know, see, we judge people based off of how we are in our own hearts. You know why we don't think our neighbor's going to shoot us? Because we would never go over and shoot him. Now, we might get worried if we'd been messing with our neighbor, if we threw a rock through our neighbor's window, because in our nature, you know, that's when we would want to do it, right? But when we're getting along and everything, we just, we do, we judge people based on how we are in our hearts. And that's how oftentimes, you know, I've seen people get exposed. You had guys like Wesley Tomlinson, that was one of the things that got him exposed. He's out there trying to expose everybody else for nothing, just falsely accusing everybody of things. Turns out he's got the biggest skeleton of all in his claws that this guy's a murderer. You know, and so you know, just completely I found out why the guy doesn't trust anybody. You know, he was always wanting to talk to me. He was always wanting to bring up, you know, my daddy issues that I had. You know, when his was the guy who bashed his dad's brains in after shooting with a shotgun. You know, what in the world? It it all made sense. We judge people based on how we are and our hearts. And you know why we just we give people the benefit of the doubt around here? Because we would never do anything. We would never hurt somebody. We wouldn't betray somebody. We wouldn't take advantage of people like that. And we think I would never betray a friend. Therefore, my friend would never betray me. But you know what? A person who would betray, they, they take advantage of that. Hey, you know what? I just got this trust. I was given this privilege. They, they gave me this information. And meaning. We trusted you. Meaning, we counted on you and you went and you used that? And you, I mean, it, that's sick. That is some sick, sick stuff. That's a wicked, low-down person. I mean, I think most cases a betrayer is a reprobate. I think Judas clearly was a reprobate. Jesus called him the son of perdition. He said it would be better for him that he would have never born. He didn't say, oh, we just need to pray to get saved. He said, no, it's better he'd never been born. You know why? Because Judas is in hell today. And Jesus didn't say, "It'd be great if he got saved." It wasn't going to happen. Anyone who could betray Jesus the way Judas did is a reprobate. And I don't think, it, and obviously, none of us have ever been betrayed or ever will be betrayed at the level Jesus was. I think that was the most extreme form of betrayal that there ever was, for sure. But there are uh, you know lower levels of it that we that we can um, you know experience. But betrayal does. Betrayal robs innocent people of liberty. Why is it that we're always, you know, our liberties are under attack and being threatened? Because of the dirt bags out there that take advantage of that liberty. Those dirt bags that are out there that will take their guns and go shoot up places and kill innocent people. And because of that, everybody's like, no, we can't trust anybody. But the truth is, most people are fine. Most people are good. But whenever people start doing that, that's when you ought to start, you know... Get a little more strict. You know, if we're constantly having infiltrator after infiltrator come through this church and betrayal after betrayal, I don't know, I might get a little crazy and start doing background checks, all right? I have no intention of doing that. I hope it never happens, but I could probably be driven to that point. If enough junk happened. And so, how should we handle it when one betrays us? Because not all betrayals are equal. And really, the more trust you're given, The greater the betrayal is. And so, the way I kind of want to illustrate this when it comes to how to deal with it, alright, now this is my own system I came up with, alright? Okay? And I think we're allowed to do that. You know, we're supposed to judge some things. So I have come up with basically, there's three levels of betrayal, alright? There's a level one, that's the least problem. There's a level one betrayal, a level two, and a level three. Okay? A level one betrayal, it's not going to be a huge issue. A level two betrayal, it will get you thrown out of this church with the hope of possibly coming back after you have pretty much groveled, all right? A level three, you're done, all right? You'll be written off as reprobate, all right? So how do these work? So the level one, all right, so here's a here's scenario, all right? I was trying to think of a good scenario to explain this, all right? So let's say somebody robbing our church, okay? So a level one betrayal, let's say that would, that would be a, one of our neighbors. If one of our neighbors robbed our church, you could say that that's a betrayal. Okay, we've given them a very small amount of trust. Say so how have we trusted our neighbors? Well, we don't have a really good security system here, all right? Probably shouldn't reveal these things, you know, when it's being live streamed, all right? But, you know, it wouldn't be that hard to do some damage around here. We don't have a fence. We don't have a wall built around this place. I said, you know, nothing's state-of-the-art. We don't have any of that stuff, okay? We're just assuming our neighbors are going to do the right thing. Our neighbors, they know our routine, don't they? They've watched us. They know when we have services. I mean, we've got our service times right out there on the sign. They've been around here long enough. They probably know when I'm here, for the most part, when people are here, when people aren't here. We're just, we just assume our neighbors are going to do the right thing. It would not be hard. You know, my house isn't locked right now. Alright? Hopefully no robbers are watching. Okay? Alright? I trust I trust my neighbors. Okay? I've given them a small level of trust. And for them to take advantage of that, that's that's pretty bad, isn't it? Okay? But at the same time, that's not real personal, is it? They don't know us personally. They don't know our names. You know, we obviously don't completely trust them because we lock the doors. You know? But at the same time, you know, If that happened, you know, that person's not a reprobate. It's just a thief, all right? Somebody trying to get ahead, they're a dirtbag. If they get caught, you know, they ought to have to pay fourfold or go to jail in our society. Uh, You know, obviously, then we would probably have to assume that if they get out of jail, they might do it again and we might have to take further measures. We might have to put up security cameras and it would add extra expense to our church and be a big pain. But you know what? I'd keep praying for that person. I'd reach out to that person. I'd hope that person would get saved. And you know what? If that person did apologize and get saved, you know what? I'd welcome that person to our church. Okay, yeah, they robbed our church. You know what? They weren't saved. They didn't know us. Did you know, did you know that stealing, it is kind of a, a natural thing to want to steal when it comes to our sin nature? Isn't it kind of a natural sin nature to want to take something that's not yours? And if you don't think so, then how come... You know, kids do it from a very young age. They try to take things away from their brothers and sisters, you know, sneak things that aren't theirs. All right? How many of you have ever had a kid before? You don't have to raise your hand that maybe shoplifted, you know, took that pack of gum, took that little thing. Why did okay? It's it's kind of in our nature to do that. Okay? The Bible says do not despise a thief if he steal. You know, if he's just stealing because he's hungry. You know, he ought to have to pay sevenfold, it says in that passage. But let's not despise him, let's not hate that guy. I can I can understand why a person would steal in some cases. Maybe they're about to get their electric shut off and they're desperate, and so they think you know the church has all got money right. You know well, they're going to be disappointed they come in here. They're going to have to sell something, but you know steal our grand piano. I don't. know. But you know that probably wouldn't be worth the work that they would take. But you know there's a lot of things that you know there's a lot of reasons why somebody might steal. And you know what those things can be forgiven. It is a betrayal, but you know what. I'm not that worried about it, all right? But let's say somebody robs our church who's visited our church, okay? Now, I think we're a pretty friendly church. When people come and visit our church, you know, we welcome these people. We shake their hands. We try to learn their names. We get those visitor cards. We want to get to know them. We want to be friendly. I want to go over to their house. I want to visit them. We, I mean, we just we want to be friends with people, don't we? And somebody for somebody to come into this church with the intention... Of stealing, they're coming here not because they're thinking about you know they're looking for a church. They're coming to case the joint. All right, you know, let's see where they take the money. You know, and after the offering, you know, let you know where. where how, what's the layout of the place? You know, does it look like they're you know what kind of stuff do they have around here that we could steal? That's pretty dirty. All right, you know, if I stole, all right, if I got tempted to steal, they'll, they'll, I'm going to go to a stranger's house first. Okay it would bother my conscience too much to steal from people that i knew okay and you know i would for me it would be really hard for me to go into a church get to know the people have them be all nice to me and then be robbed the place all right that's pretty bad i would that right there that's a level 2 now somebody that would do that that's a real that's a real dirtbag right there and so They have betrayed. We just went and we just automatically assumed that person was here for the right reason. We were friendly to those people. We loved them. We wanted to find out if they were saved because we wanted to make sure they're on their way to heaven. And if they are on their way to heaven, then hey, they're a brother and sister and we want to treat them like a brother and sister. We want them to become a part of this church family. It's just how we are. It's automatic. And for someone to betray that, that's a big deal. That's pretty bad. But you know what? Even then though, even then, I think there could be hope for that person. But at the same time, before we would ever let some, if if that ever happened, somebody who would come into this church, get to know us, let us be friendly to them, and steal from us. If the person were to do that, I would have no right as a pastor if I, they found, I found out and got busted. to be like, you know what, I forgive you and then let them keep coming to this church and not let all of you know about it. Because guess what? Guess the way you are with people. You're going to treat them like your brother and sister. You might invite them over to your house for dinner. And then they might go over to your house just to be case in the joint to see what kind of goodies you've got so they can steal. You know what? As a pastor, I, ought to, I need to understand, hey, people are be, they're are making themselves vulnerable. They're opening themselves up to these people. And if they are here to betray, and I see evidence that they might be here to betray, I should rebuke it. I should reveal it. But we do worry about restoration. We want to forgive people. So before I would ever let somebody like that back in the church, I'm going to make sure the whole church knows exactly what they did. Hey, you know, Brother Steve, he robbed the church. He stole. He says he's sorry. And I can't imagine stealing from a church. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But you know what? I think it's important you all know what this man's capable of doing. We're going to assume he's trying to do the right thing from here on out, but you know, we're going to keep an eye on him. You know, I think that's completely appropriate. That's what we ought to do. You know, that's just being responsible. But then that level three, that would be someone who robs our church that we gave a key to the building to. Okay? A lot of you in here have keys to this building. We've given you those keys, right? The fact that we gave you a key to this building. You have 24-hour access into this place. All right, and we've given a lot of those keys away. Okay, We're very trusting around here. I and mean, if we gave you one of those, and now, if you haven't got one yet, it doesn't mean we don't trust you, all right? Maybe you just haven't needed one, all right? all right? But we have. We've given a lot of these keys away. That means we trusted you. I mean, that's about as much as you can trust somebody with building. We've Some of you all here before, um, you know, we, I think the Gomers one time we needed something from our house. And we asked them to stop, you know, if they could stop and get it out or do something in our house, let them just walk to our house. You know, that would have been pretty dirty. If like, you know, I'm doing them a favor. I want to get a little something for it. And then, you know, they take, you know, some of our silverware or something. Okay. You know, not that it's worth anything, but our actual silver, but you know, that's dirty. The fact that we told them, Hey, go, you can go, you know, go in our house. And just, it shows that we trust them. That shows a very high level of trust. You know, you wouldn't do that just for anybody. And when somebody takes advantage of that, that is serious. A person that would do that, you you can't trust them. They cannot be trusted. It would be irresponsible to trust them. And so, you know, how do we deal with this? Well, Matthew, in Matthew chapter twenty-six, verse twenty-four. We saw Jesus said. It would have been better if this man had not been born. He clearly was reprobate. And not all betrayals are equal. Judas is the extreme example of the worst kind of betrayal. He walked with Jesus for three years. He understood who Jesus was. And they even they put Judas in charge of the money. He was close enough he was able to go to Jesus and give Him a kiss. So let's, how do we handle these different levels? Well, first off, when it comes to that level one betrayal... You know we would we would we would tighten security on that person, but we don't have to write them off. See, trust is a is not a right; it's a privilege. Okay, people have this attitude. Teenagers have this attitude. Mom and Dad, you're supposed to trust me. Why don't you trust me? Well, because you lied. All right, you betrayed my trust. There and, and trust and you know what? Even if they didn't lie, okay, my, you know my boys, they've been honest, and you know Tommy's got a driver's license now, but that doesn't mean I'm going to let him go. Drive out to California? Well, Dad, you should trust me. You're 16 years old. You just got your driver's license. You're not driving out to California by yourself. You're not even old enough to get a hotel room on your own. The government doesn't even trust you. You know, I mean, I'm not. uh, You know, it's it's not just automatic. You know, people think I should be able to do whatever I want. You know, I haven't done nothing. No, trust is not automatic. You earn trust hey, let's see how you are driving around local. Let's see if you can stay out of trouble. Let's see if you can keep from getting in a wreck. You know, practice some responsibility first and then we'll see. It's not, trust is not a right, it's a privilege. Nobody owes you trust. You have to earn it. Okay, you have to earn trust. And when somebody does, they're just generous and they give you trust. You're a dirtbag if you betray that trust. And so that, with a a level one, that person's out there, you know, they get saved or whatever. You know, we're going to watch that person Tighten security on them. You know, keep keep a closer eye on them. But we're not going to write them off. But look, uh, turn over to uh, First Chronicles chapter twelve back there. We looked at there earlier. I want to show you something on here. So in that level two betrayal, all right, this situation with David and these men that came to help him, I would call what David was afraid of here a level two betrayal. Okay, and the reason for that is because David did not know these guys. Okay, David didn't know them. He didn't know who they were. They didn't have. David had not entrusted them with anything, but David is about to, you know, he's about to entrust them with something, okay? And he he does need them. He needs them. He's wanting to, you know, he's wanting to use them. But at the same time, notice notice what he said there when he's he's in this situation. He doesn't know what to do, and then he says in verse seventeen, and David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, "If ye become peaceably unto me to help me." mine heart shall be knit unto you. But if ye come to betray me to mine enemies, seeing there is no wrong in mine hands, the God of our fathers look thereon and rebuke it. Okay? So in the level two betrayal, when a person does something like that, somebody who would be low down enough to sneak in here and uh, you know, come visit our church and get to know us and smile and shake our hands and act all friendly and let us be nice to him when he's plotting against us, A person like that needs to be exposed. A person like that needs to be drug out into the open. It needs to be known before all who would potentially get involved with that person. It needs to be known that this is not something to be trusted. He's saying, "Lord, rebuke it." Turn over to uh, Deuteronomy chapter nineteen. But you know, that's not the attitude we have there. There's this new attitude. I, I really think this is new. I've never seen anything like this in my life, and it makes me sick. All right. Verse, look at the Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 16, before I tell you what makes me want to vomit. It says, If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him, that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days, and the judges shall make diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness, and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother." so shalt thou put away evil from among you. So in this case, if you got a guy he comes along and maybe accuses somebody of murder, that would have got you put to death in the Bible days. It says in the Bible, if he turns out to be a false witness, that is rotten. We need people to be honest. We need people to tell the truth. We need them when they go to court. We want justice in this country. We want our laws, we want, we want our laws to be just. We want people to get what's coming. If somebody's innocent... We want them to be found innocent, and often we have to trust people. Often witnesses need to be called to the stand, and when a witness comes, there's a certain level of trust we're giving them. Okay, yeah, we make them swear. Yes, we've had to create laws that you know make it you know know, laws of perjury, making it a big deal if you lie. But we do that because it is it is such a dangerous, devastating, damaging thing to be a false witness. And the Bible says here, you do whatever that person thought was going to be done to the other. You do it to them. And look what it says. And those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. You know what? We're not trying to help the bad guy. We're not trying to help the liar. You know who we're trying to help? Everybody else. We're trying to help everybody else. We're trying to help these young kids that are in here. So in case they would ever grow up and think about being a liar and a false witness, we want them to see that liars and false witnesses are put to death. That way they'll see that and say, I would never do that. We're not trying to help the bad guy. That's not what our laws are meant to do. Our laws are meant to help the good guys. And look what it says in verse 21. And thine eye shall not pity... Eye for eye, or life for shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So thine eye shall not pity. Thine eye shall not pity. Now we've got this new thing going on today. Whenever somebody does something really, really, really bad, you know what everybody wants to do? They want to feel sorry for the bad guy. Oh, we need to be merciful. Oh, we need to forgive the bad guy and love on the bad guy. But wait a minute, what about the victim? What about the people that he hurt? What about those people? If that a person that would take advantage of their position, that person needs to be rebuked so it doesn't happen again. And I think about a situation that happened recently with Pastor Stacy Shiflet. He revealed a man that was the former pastor of his church, Cameron Giovinelli. This man was—I don't know what his official position was. He was high up at Golden State Baptist College. Okay, well known. Fundamental Baptist College people from all over the country go there. They've called here before wanting us to let their tour group come and sing. I, as far as I knew, I thought it was a pretty good place, a good college. I enjoy uh, some of their music, things like that. I've heard, I've heard Pastor Treber preach before. I mean, I, I didn't think it was a horrible place. I'm not a big Bible college person or anything like that. But it turned out that guy who was on the staff there used to pastor this man's church and he found out that while that man was pastoring the church, that he was messing around with an underage girl. I mean, you know, committing adultery with this underage girl. And he reveals this to the college. You know why? Because when you send your kids to a Bible college, which isn't really the wisest thing to do, but you understand, you're putting them in a very vulnerable situation there. You know how many parents are sending their kids there and they don't know who all the staff there is at that college? They know Jack Trever, maybe. They know his reputation, and they're just trusting him. And they are. Do you think that? Do you not think that every parent who sends their kids that college would like to know if there's a pervert working there? You, I mean, and this guy apparently has a history of doing stuff. He's on staff at this college, Pastor Shiflett, He reveals this to the college, and what do they? they, they do? They're not doing anything about it. They do nothing about it. And so then finally, you know, he has to threaten to put the pressure on him to expose it, so they get the guy to quietly step down. Pastor Treiber gets up, basically announces that he's going to, you know, this man's stepping down, and then after the cameras go off, he proceeds to tell the church what a great man this guy was. After he knows what he did, betrayed the trust as a pastor, took advantage of like a sixteen-year-old girl, I think it was. I can't remember the age of the name, but Underage. Illegal. No matter what the age, it was wrong, it was wicked. And he says all this good stuff about him. And that man was just going to go on and go to ministry somewhere else. Nobody's rebuking this. Nobody's letting it be revealed. People are putting themselves in a vulnerable situation like David was. He's in a vulnerable situation. And he needs the Lord to reveal it. And thankfully, God put His Spirit on a man and He revealed it. To, hey, this guy is in fact good. And so Pastor Schifflin, after this happened, he gets up and he exposes to the whole world, hey, this guy's a pervert. This guy's a pile of garbage. Letting people know that, hey, keep your kids away from this man. He's a pervert. He's a pedophile. And thank God that he did it. This man had betrayed trust and thankfully somebody came forward and they rebuked it. And you know what? There's a bunch of idiot pastors that are out there, and they are attacking Pastor Shiflet for doing that. He had no business doing that. you know. And then you've got these other just bleeding heart piles of garbage. Oh, we should just be praying for him. You know? He that has no sin, cast the first stone. I mean, all that kind of foolishness. Hey, what about the young lady that he took advantage of? You know, I mean, who knows what else this man has done? You so, say, well, we don't know what else this man has done. Well, hey, if he was willing to do that, there's no telling what else he was willing to do. And I'll say a little more about that in a little bit. But we've we got this twisted mentality. We've got this attitude that we want to show just how loving and forgiving we are. So we put it all on the bad guy that takes advantage of people. The Bible says, thine eyes shall not pity him. Well, it's talking about that false witness. You do what what have been done to the person that he lied about. And if that means put him to death, you put him to death. You don't let your eyes pity him. And we didn't see these guys out there. I mean, my wife thought two guys known publicly known that have been in scandals. Well, I don't know anything about cover-ups in the Baptist world. When she told me that, I'm telling you, man, I, I, was, I was ready to make a video. <laughs> it's like, I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, you know who a lot of these people are that are sticking up for the pervert? Other perverts. That's who, that's who does that. And we've got. The, and everybody wants to act like they're just so forgiving because they're wanting to forgive the bad guy. Listen, there are some things that a normal person cannot do. And betrayal its very deep. Now, Cameron Giovanelli did a level 3 betrayal. There's no doubt about it. He did a level 3 betrayal. That man needs to be written off and needs to be done for. And wait, what church did he end up going to? Wasn't it that wasn't it that church where that other guy's a pervert? Didn't they send him there? Or was that somebody else? I don't want to say if I'm getting it wrong. I think he got sent to another perverts' church. I could be wrong about that. So I'll uh, you know, strike that from the record. I didn't say the name, but anyway. Uh, but, you know, it is. thankfully somebody revealed that, that situation. People need to know. Hey, if there's somebody out there that's betraying people, others need to know. If we have somebody that comes into this church and they betray, they deceive, they take advantage, you know what? And I find out they're going to another church, if I want to call that pastor up and warn him, say, hey, this guy's a Judas, that's the right thing for me to do. I should do that. That's an appropriate thing to do to call it out. This person's taking advantage of people. And we do, we all we want to be giving, we want to help people, we want to be good to others, but you know, we also we don't need to shoot ourselves in the foot either. We don't want to be taken advantage of. And often people because they don't want to judge, They just they back off. They don't do anything. And our our acceptance of these people can often cause others to trust them. See, there might be somebody, maybe somebody in this church, you know, I know they can't be trusted, so I I I watch them. I keep them at arm's length. But here's the problem: if they are somebody that's a true Judas, okay, you might see me being friends with them, and what appears to be trusting them, and so now you think you can trust them too, and now I've set you up. You know, now you're going to be in trouble because you think, well, Pastor Tommy seems to trust him. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't trust him any far and I can throw. Him. Well, thanks for letting me know. You know, you, you got, you got, I got, I need to let you know. It's kind of like, you know, Joe Biden. How many have seen those videos of Joe Biden just groping on those little girls and things? Just so disturbing, so disturbing. And it was Jeff Sessions. How many have seen the video of Jeff Sessions? He's got his little granddaughter there, and Joe Biden started going for her, and he just like pulls her away. You know, when I saw that video, I was like, well, good for Jeff Sessions. Not letting that dirty old man put his hands on his little granddaughter. But at the same time, how does he know he's a pervert? How did how did he know what Joe Biden was getting ready to do? You know why? Because there's a lot of scumbags over there. And they watch it. They see all the dirty, filthy stuff these animals are doing. And it's okay for Joe Biden to do it to other people's grandkids, but not his grandkids. And I'm thinking... Jeff Sessions knows he's a pervert. Why is not he saying something about it? This man's the vice president. Most people, yeah, my, I'd love for my granddaughter to get her picture taken with the vice president. You know, surely he, you know, he wouldn't be a pervert. Well, yeah, actually he is. And apparently people know about it. People in high places, and they're not saying anything about it. Shame on them. Shame on them for not revealing the truth. Shame on them for not letting people know that that person is dangerous when they know it for a fact and they are not willing to share it. That's bad, folks. That is a, that is a big deal. And we do, we, our silence can send a message of approval. And as a pastor, I have no right to allow someone who has betrayed the trust of people in this church to come in here without warning people. If it is that level two person... Alright, hey, we want to be generous. We want to get a good, warm, fuzzy feeling. We want to give this person a chance, alright? But you know what? I need to let you all in on it. I need to let you all know what's going on. That, hey, I th- I think it, I personally think it's probably safe. But you need to understand there is a risk here. This person's, got a, this person's got a bad history. And you all need to know about it. You know, ladies, you might not want to leave your purses laying around, you know, these guys, you know, they're known for stealing wallets and things like that, you know. Oh, we shouldn't hold their past against them. Oh, so I should just let you get set up to be robbed. You know, that that's how we are now. We're more worried about the thief than the victims. That is the new American way, and it makes me sick. Leadership has a responsibility to protect the vulnerable. And it is, it's a greater crime... When It's a greater crime when people who are in positions of trust take advantage of people. Okay? And, the, and, the, and our laws show that. Pastors can get in a lot of trouble because it's a position of trust. People look at that and think, man, he's a pastor. I should be able to respect him. All these people are going to his church. They obviously all, you know, they all trust him. You know, police officers, there are certain things that they do. They will get in bigger trouble. Why? Because they are in a position of trust. We've given these guys a badge. We've given these guys a gun. We've given them certain authority. We've given them tasers and all these things. And we expect them to use them in a lawful way. And we do. We see that uniform. We see that badge. We understand what it represents. And when they go out and they take advantage of that trust, let me tell you, those guys ought to get in big, big trouble. Real big trouble. Because they have betrayed trust. Betrayal is huge. So in that level three betrayal... We need to just write them off. Judas was a reprobate. John 6, 70, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. John 17, 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Understand, it was God's will that Jesus would be betrayed. But Jesus said, woe to that man by whom it's done. It would be better for him that he were never born. You know what? There's going to be bad guys in the world. There's going to be those who betray us. The Bible said that was going to happen. But you know what the Bible says about those people? Better it would be for them if they were never born. Alright? Judas was the son of perdition. His betrayal was the most low down possible. He, you know, he betrayed Christ with a kiss. Betray us of the son of man with a kiss? Really, you're going to do it like that? You know, listen. If you're gonna if you're gonna do, stab me in the back, if you're gonna do something to hurt me, you know, just make it obvious. You know, don't go and if you if, you know send me a present that's gonna blow up. You know, or I think you're doing something nice, and you know, I mean, you know, don't you know don't do sneaky stuff like that. You know, just be open. Just say, brother Tommy, I hate your guts. You know, I hope I hope you die. You know, just be just be honest about it. All right. You know, don't do that sneaky underhanded stuff. You know, that, that really hurts. You know, that can hurt worse than what is actually done to people sometimes. The betrayal. And a person who would betray someone with a kids should never be trusted by anyone. Somebody who would go as far, and listen, I don't know this, all right, but somebody who betrayed me in a, in a clear level two, all right, it's been told to me that there was actually a level three betrayal that took place. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that, I don't know if that happened, but here's the problem, okay? When you're willing to do these other low-down things, and I know for a fact you did one thing that's low down and dirty, why wouldn't I believe the other thing? I remember when I was at Camp Joy, we had a young man got caught on the first day. He got caught going through my cabin and going through the suitcases of some of the guys in my cabin. And somebody found him and brought him to me. And they was like, hey, this guy got caught. He was going through some of the guy's luggage. And you know what I asked him? I said, did you steal anything? No. No." I mean, just flipped out. I was like, dude, why wouldn't I think you stole something? You were going through people's luggage. And I told him, I said, listen, if we find out, I'm going to tell the guys to look through their stuff, see if anything's missing. If anything comes up missing in our cabin... Guess who are gonna blame? Well you not me. It'll be a lie if you blame me. And he's just like flipping out. And I was like, hey, if you don't want to get blamed for stuff. Don't go sneaking through people's cabin going through their personal stuff. Somebody's gonna think you did it. And it might not be right. And this is another just childish, kiddish thing that people do that makes me sick. I'm sorry, and a grown man that would do this, and I see grown men do it all the time, they ought to get they ought to get their behind spanked like a little kid. Alright? They're so pathetic. And this this is what happens, alright? So you go, and all right, you know, here, here's, here's an illustration, all right? So let's say Brother Lonnie, turns out he's been gossiping. He's been lying. He's been telling stories about me. And he told Brother Mark, and he told Brother Aaron, and he told Brother Steve, and these, all three of these guys tell me, hey, Brother Lonnie said this, and they all tell me the same story about all these things he did. But then Brother Eric comes, and he's like, yes, he just wants to get in on the action. You know, he wants to be a part of the conversation. He's like, yeah, he told me the same thing too. And then I go to Brother Lyon, Brother lie. is it true that you told Brother Mark and Brother Aaron and Brother Steve and Brother Eric, you know, this and this and this? No, oh, that's a lie! Are you kidding me? I never, I never did that. Really, you didn't tell those guys? Well, I didn't tell Eric. You know? Yeah, but you told those other three guys. Why wouldn't I believe you told Brother Eric too? Well, I didn't do that. And you'll see it where these guys, they'll do all this sneaky, dirty, low-down stuff and they get caught. And somebody, somebody maybe gives the pastor bad information on one detail. And then because the pastor, when he's calling that person out, he gets one detail wrong. Oh, Pastor Tommy's a liar. Pastor Tommy's a railer. No, you're an idiot. Alright, I'm sorry. You're an idiot. Okay, I got one little detail wrong. You know, that, that was another thing Wesley Thomason would do. When I was confronting him with things... I had to phrase my questions perfect. If you don't phrase and little kids do that. All right? I've, I've, I busted my kids for that. I think I, hopefully I beat that album. of them. I beat that out of them when they were little kids. All right. We got, you know, that thing kind of thing makes me sick. And I see adults do that. And because the pastor got one little thing wrong when he called him out. They're calling him a liar and a railer and he's not qualified to pastor and he ought to be thrown out of the church. No, you, my friend, are an idiot. And when you do all these dirty, low-down, despicable things, don't get mad and don't cry when people believe other things too. And, the le- and I know for a fact the level 2 was done. And you know what? If you all want to know what it is, you can ask me after church. I'll let you know what it was because you all need to know in case this person would ever try to be your friend, you need to know what kind of person it is. But I do believe it's possible the level three was done. And you know what? I'm not going to go him out because this person's a kid and he's spanked. And Brother Tommy's a liar and a railer. If I get one thing wrong, I'm sorry, why wouldn't I believe that? Why wouldn't I believe you did the level three? I know you did the level two. And that, that's just a, a little kid mentality. They ought to, somebody ought to, we're out there behind with a switch. When you do that, and a person to betray, some, you, know, you, know, you know, when you let when you let somebody get close and they betray, you, that's just wicked. Notice how Joab, all right, Joab. How, I'll, 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 I need to finish up. Second Samuel chapter twenty verse nine It says, "And Joab sent unto Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother?" And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him, but Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again and he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, son of Bichri. That was pretty dirty. Hey, my brother, come here. He takes him, he kisses him, and then stabs him. Disembowels him right there. That's dirty, right? Now, this was Joab. Joab was one of David's mighty men. Joab... Did a lot of great things for David. But let me tell you something. Any man that would do that to somebody, listen, I hate to think I'd ever stab anybody. Alright? If I had to, I probably would. But you know what? I'm gonna do it in fair combat. You know, choose your weapon, get your sword. You know, I'm not gonna go give you a kiss and then stick you in the side like that. You know, it's gonna be a fair fight. This is, this is dirty. Alright? Anybody that would do that should not be trusted. And I say this because, once again, somebody comes and they're betraying people in this church. They're betraying this church. They're betraying me. That person cannot be trusted. He said, but you know, but 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 I need him. Yeah, I know he betrayed this person. But I need him. David needed Joab. Joab was a good man to have in a fight. Joab was a good man to have on his side. Joab helped David in battles many times. But David never should have trusted Joab, a man that would do what he did. He never should have trusted him. And you know what? Somebody who would betray a man like that would betray anyone. And guess what? Joab eventually did betray David. Look what says in 1 Kings two 2.5. This is what David, he's given Solomon final instructions before he dies. He says, Moreover thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me. And what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel, unto Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Mesa, the son of Jether. He brings that up, what he had did in the past. Okay, why didn't David get rid of him back when he did that? You know why? Because he needed him. Okay, hey, we need people in this church, all right? Hey, this guy's a good worker. I could use him. He could be a big help to this church. Yeah, but you know what? He's a betrayer. You know he he fights dirty. You know what? I even though it might benefit me, I have no right as a pastor to just overlook that and let that go. David let it go, and eventually. I said, a person that would do that would do it to anybody. And eventually, he did it to David. It says uh, in verse 26, it says, Do therefore according to thy wisdom and let not his whore head go down to the grave in peace. He's saying, kill him. You need, you need to put him down. David should have done that a long time ago. David should have done after what he did to Amasa. But you know what? He needed him. Well, I don't want to cause problems in my kingdom right now. Yeah, I know, I know I probably ought to expose this person in the church, but I don't want to cause problems in the church. They've got a lot of friends. Sorry, that's your job, pastor. You need to deal with these things. You need to let people know what's going on. And Joab, he did a lot of things that helped David after he killed Amazep, but David compromised because he was useful in war and it came back to haunt him. And people, you know, people use the excuse, oh, you ought to forgive. Because what about Peter? All right, what about Peter? Peter denied Jesus three times, didn't he? Jesus forgave Peter. There is a massive difference between a denial and a betrayal. Peter did not plot to do what he did. Peter just did what he. Peter did not do what he did to hurt Jesus. He did what he did to save his own skin. Once again, that's kind of a natural thing. It's wrong. He shouldn't have been that way. But that is kind of a natural thing to just want to save your own skin. okay? And he felt really bad about it too. You know, He went out and wept bitterly after he did it. He had a moment of weakness. He did not plan on that. That night, that very night, he's like, I would never do that. Judas had already plotted what he was going to do to Jesus. Okay? There, there's a huge difference between just denying someone, letting someone down, and betraying someone. Okay? If you were to go out, if one of you men were to go out and you know, commit adultery or something like that, that would be that that would be sad. Uh, that would hurt, you know. But that's you falling to sin. That's you hurting yourself. That's you, you know. And a lot of times people don't plan that stuff. You know, it just it kind of it kind of happens and it's wicked. It's wrong. But there's a big difference. Okay, you don't do that stuff seeking to hurt. Someone else, all right. Unless it's your spouse, or something, and that is that's that's real serious. But Joab, you know, um, so what he did—it was dirty. David never should have trusted him, and David paid for trusting him. He should have dealt with it after what he had did in the past. And so, you know, don't let people use Peter as an excuse. That Peter, a denial and a betrayal are different things. Those are two completely different sins. And betrayal is very serious sin that you don't see anyone coming back from in the Bible. Okay, I know Judas is the main one we see. But we do see other examples of people who were betrayed in the Bible, even if it doesn't use that word. And so it's, uh, it, it's, it's a very devastating thing. And we see throughout the Bible, we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to restore people. But there is a difference between me allowing myself to be vulnerable and putting all of you in a vulnerable position. Okay? Hey, if I want to do that, if I want to, you know, if I want to put my arm around somebody I know is a pickpocket, Take that chance. I can do that. Alright? It'd be my pocket he's picking. Okay? But I shouldn't ask you to be in that when I know that. That would be wrong. And many pastors today, they're getting criticized and attacked because they're looking out for the flock. They're exposing wolves. You know, they're letting people know about those who would try to hurt them and take advantage of them. Just doing exactly what the Bible says and people are trying to say, oh, you're not forgiving. You know, that, where is this stuff coming from? It's got to come from the devil. Because you're not going to find it in the Bible. And the way they try to apply these scenarios, they don't work. When I do that, okay, when I do that, I'm responsible for what that person does. And it's, it's not about, you know, I'm, I'm just hurt that they would betray me. And so I'm just trying to get vengeance. No, that's not it. I don't want it to happen to somebody else. And I know they're capable of it. I know they're very likely to do it. I would be you know, negligent in my duties if I were not to say something about that. Betrayal is a very serious offense. And you need to understand that too. If somebody trusts you, if it's where you work, maybe they've trusted you with things. Don't you dare take advantage of that. Don't you dare go and use that information that you have to pull off some heist or something like that. Don't do that. That is wicked. You ought to do some serious time for something like that. If somebody trusts you, you know what you need to do? You, you ought to let that humble you. You ought to be thankful for that. You ought to say, you know what, I would never do anything to betray that trust. These people are counting on me. These people have made themselves vulnerable. They're trusting me. They're letting me you know, be their friend and they hardly even know me. And so, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to make sure that I am worthy of that trust. That's the kind of attitude that we ought to have. And whenever somebody does, if somebody does get busted, just, you know, in case it's you, if you do something like that, if anybody in here does something like that, I'm going to expose you. I'm going to let people know. All right? And you say, well, you know, should you forgive me? Well, here's the way I'll forgive you. You know, you go and you commit some kind of level two betrayal. We'll forgive you, but here's what we're going to do first. We're going to make sure the whole church knows what you did. We're going to let them see you come up and tell everyone how sorry you are. And it might help if you cry a little bit while you're telling them. And you need, we're going to let them know that, hey, you all can't trust me. Don't let me be in the building by myself. You know, don't, you know, don't ask me to go through your house and get something for you. you know, and then you're going to have to take a very long time to earn everyone's trust. And we and don't any of you out there be some bleeding heart. Well, you know what? I trust them now. Great. So you trust them. Don't make all of us. All right. We don't. We don't have to that quick, as quick as you are. That that is just that is a messed up attitude. And we got to watch out for that stuff. So I hope this was a help. Let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples you give, dear God. I pray you help us to, uh, Lord. I don't want this church to be one where we're suspicious of each other. And I, I and Lord. We're not. Lord, as far as I know, uh, we've got unity in this church and just a great spirit and people who love each other. But dear God, I pray You'll help us to to never betray that trust. I pray that we will never take advantage of the freedom that we have and the liberty that's in this church. And I pray, Lord, that You will rebuke it when there are those who would seek to betray. Lord, I pray You'll rebuke it and You'll make it clear so they can be exposed and removed and not hurt anyone else. And I, I, I thank You for the preachers that are out there. Who are who have exposed some of these people? I think about Pastor Shiflet who put himself out there and is getting a lot of criticism because he exposed some vile animal that was taking advantage of people. Lord, I thank you for rebuking that situation and I pray, Lord, that you'll bless him for it and I pray you'll take down those who are uh, working against him. And Lord, we uh, we just we thank you for your word and the guidance we have from it. In your name we pray, Amen. Well, let's go ahead.